Let's just bow our heads together. Amen. Lord, you've been so good to us. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. Oh, I'm sure that there's countless of blessings that you give to us daily, weekly, monthly, yearly that we're not even aware of. The times you spared our lives when the devil thought he had us. Lord, times whenever we made a a turn to the right hand. We was going down the road and we knew better than that. We knew to turn left, but somehow we turned right and missed our turn and got straightened back out and got down the road and there was a terrible car wreck. If we would have made the left-hand turn, we'd been right in the middle of it. You watch over us, Jesus. We're so thankful for it. Lord God, as we come together again tonight, We're just so happy to be able to have church again. Oh, Father, what a great privilege it is for us to meet together like this on Wednesday night. We come not just to see one another, although we enjoy that. But we've come, Father, to be in your presence. We have you with us when we're at home. We know that. But there's just something about us getting together, each one bringing their little lick of fire. Oh, God, we just count it such a privilege. I cannot imagine what it will be like when there are millions of us that are gathered together in glorified bodies. No tiredness, no weariness, no pain, no sickness. Oh, Jesus, we long for that day. Father, until that day arrives, I pray you would help us. May we remain faithful to your words true, Lord. Dear God, I have my hand on this handkerchief tonight, Father, for Sister Judy Davis, and you see, Lord, that she taken a fall, and we're asking you tonight for our sister, Lord, that you'd just be with her. No doubt there's other needs here tonight, and we're praying that you'd be mindful of them as well. Lord God, we're approaching your word, and we need your guidance. May you illuminate our hearts, Father. May we be quickened to be able to hear the word. Bless us together. Heal the sick. Perform the supernatural. We look for great things because we serve a mighty God. And you're a God of miracles. So if there's people here tonight that need miracles, may our faith rise to that place because you are a God of the miraculous. Grant it tonight, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Let's uh, turn tonight, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16 again. I want to say while you're turning there that Carol and I wanted to say how much we appreciated the uh, youth choir, several of them, and even several adults showed up at our house on Sunday night uh, to sing for us, and it was just absolutely beautiful. They've just done such an awesome job, and we wanted to thank them, um, Brother Rob and uh, the adults that came with them and drove, and it was just so, so nice. You could just so sense the presence of God as they did that. Um, I want to thank you all for doing that. God bless you. Matthew chapter 16, verse, verse 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, 
And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'd like to make sure that the devil understands that we believe this is the infallible Word of God. So I'd like to read this part again. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Slewfoot, you are fighting a losing battle. First Timothy chapter three, verse 14. I want you to listen carefully to uh, verse 14 and verse 15 because it's, it's quite profound, the words that Paul uses. Listen to this carefully now. These things write on unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. Now remember, this is actually written to Timothy. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Now I want you to think first century AD. Probably by now, this is written 65, 66 AD. They still, for the most part, did not actually have church buildings. That's why the Bible does not give requirements for the office of trustees. Do you ever think about that? There's no biblical requirements or anything that talks about a trustee because they never had property. They never owned property. Thank God for the message which comes and tells us what the trustees do, what they should do, should not do, so on and so on. Why? The church gained property in around the second the latter half of the second century. So whenever they talked about church in the first century, they never thought about a building. What they thought about was the mystical body that would gather, they would gather at rich people's houses. John wrote about it. I'll give you a little speck of history here. John wrote about it and he said that there was people that was coming in and he said they were spots in your feast of charity. Now they call them love feast. So what they would do, the rich people that have a big house and they'd move the furniture out and they would just kind of put seats out there so they would have church. They would preach, they would sing, they would pray for the sick, all that they did. And then after they'd done that, these rich people would feed all the church people. So they called them love feast or charity feast. So the rich people did it. So this was their church. So when you read this in the New Testament and in the, and of course the book of Acts and on through, don't think about a church building because whenever they read this, they would look at one another and say, well, this is the church. Now listen how Paul identifies what the true church is. How thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Look at this word church, ecclesia, an assembly, a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place. So they were called out of their homes. Wow. So you mean they didn't believe in staying home and just reading the prophet's books? 
You see, to be identified as a church, one of the signs you were the church were was that you left your home to go somewhere where the saints were gathered together. Now, how in the world people think they can be able to fulfill the word of God and stay at the house and say, I don't even need no preacher. You need the Holy Ghost is what you need first. Because the prophet said, if you get the love of God in your heart, you cannot wait till them church doors open back there. And he said, if you don't, I'll tell you what, it's time you got to pray in. Well, praise the Lord. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some some public place or an assembly in a Christian sense. Now, watch how this has a dual meaning. In a Christian sense, an assembly of Christians gathered for worship in a religious meeting. So the building itself was not called the church. Now, we call the name of this place Word of Life Church. Many of our churches around the message are Evening Light Tabernacle and this tabernacle, Faith Tabernacle and Living Word Tabernacle and Tabernacle and Church and Tabernacle. But that's not the way they related to it in the first century. They did not call a building a church. They called the people the church. Now, notice as Paul goes on with this, he says that you'd know how to behave yourself In the house of God, the mystical gathering, in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, notice what else he says, which is almost just, it's overwhelming. The pillar and ground of the truth. So you mean the church is actually what gives the truth, its substrate or substructure under it, and the church is what keeps the truth from dying. Now, if we believe the Bible, this is what your Bible says. Let's read it together now. Which is the church of the living God? The pillar, the pillar and ground of the truth. Look at this word ground. A stay, a prop, or a support. Now does not the truth support us? Yes, but in this sense, it is actually the church that supports the truth. So if you were the devil, what would you want to destroy? Would not you want to destroy the columns, the stay, the support of the truth? Which is what? The church. Oh my. Which is the pillar and ground of the truth. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated. So the real true church, the ecclesia of God is the way God looks at this and if you'll look at this word in your Greek lexicon, it will have a a Greek name there and then a, a, a number and it will reflect to you that this is also the same antitype of when Solomon built his temple 
And Solomon in the front of the structure, Solomon had two pillars or two columns. And he gave them names. And they were a support in the main structure or the body of the house of God. Now Paul borrows from that and says, now what supports the truth and what will keep the truth alive is the ecclesia of God. Now not a church building, not church membership, but actually the elect of God. So you can see why then Satan would do everything he could do to try to stop the church of the living God. The truth, listen carefully so you don't misunderstand me. The truth is not self-supporting. The truth is not the foundation for itself. The truth is not self-propagating. So we could take our Bibles, our books, we could lay them right here on this pulpit. Lay it on your chair where you sit. Lay it on the piano. Lay it on the altar rail. We could leave it there for 500 years, for a thousand years. And we would never come back and find that the truth had built another pulpit. Or that the truth had built another altar rail or another piano or that the truth had actually replicated itself and made another Bible. Because it has to have, God orchestrated it this way, that it must have human instrumentality to carry that seed word and the seed passes through the body. So it's not then that we can just, now handing out tracts is good and handing out books, yes, absolutely. We should do that with all of our heart, but your Bible don't have legs on its own and it does not have a mouth on its own. Our message books do not have books, or legs rather, on the books. They do not have hands on the books to where they can hand theirself out. They don't have a mouth on the books to where the books fall into the hands of the people and then the books go to explaining themselves and telling them, this is why you need to read me. This is why you need to open this up. They don't have that ability. So what is the support of the truth? The pillar of the truth, the church of the living God. Now, let me ask you this. What was it that came first in the apostolic age? The written New Testament or the Ecclesia? Now, if you know history very well, you know that one of the very first books they say that was written was the book of 1 Corinthians, which was 59 A.D. The book of James was written around uh, 60, 59, latter part of 59 to the early part of 60. So you mean from 33 A.D. until, we'll say, 59. So for all of those years, 26 years, they did not have a New Testament. There was no book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, none of them. John, a book of Acts, there wasn't none of them. So God started the church, actually the Ecclesia, and then God started having the New Testament written. Why? He needed a big foundation to lay that book on. And he needed support. 
Why would you build a house in a, in a, in a mud hole? Why would you build a house with no support? God did not want to build it upon just the Old Testament alone, but what is he gonna build it on? The doctrine and the teaching of the apostles and the prophets merged together. So then what is God gonna do? God's gonna let the book of Acts, of course, come into action, but what did they preach? Now they preached Jesus and they preached it from an Old Testament perspective. But remember, many of the New Testament uh, preachers for those years did not even have the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, none of those to be able to take their text from. So what did they preach? They preached Jesus, they preached healing, they preached miracles, and they preached it from the types of the Old Testament. And was they doing the work of God? Absolutely doing the work of God. And yet they didn't even have a New Testament to be able to stand up and say, now let's everybody turn to the book of Acts tonight. Let's everybody turn to the book of Matthew. There was no such a thing. And yet God started out his church in that fashion. That he would build it upon now not only the doctrine but also the actions of these apostles. So they're not what the world probably would call great theologians and learned men, but they were men that had this testimony and that the world knew them by this identification that they had been with Jesus. Now, they might not have stood there and been able to have all the types. I imagine that Peter and them, whenever Paul began to write the types of the Old Testament and bring it right over to the book of Hebrews, that Peter and James and some of those Jewish brethren, they must have thought, wow, what an understanding this man has. We don't have no, no history or anything that Peter ever even tied the priesthood of the Levitical order to the Lord Jesus. He never mentioned it in the sense the way that Paul did. Now, he referred to him as being a priest and said the little things here and there, but can you imagine if the Lord Jesus would have chosen Peter to be the church age messenger of the Ephesian age? It would have been so little that God would have had to reveal himself through. Now, we've got great men in this message, great men, and we've been privileged in our church to be able to have some great servants of God, to be able to stand here and preach the word. But as great as those are, there's not a one of them that has the capability to become the light, the eye which allows the light to come into the embodiment of the horn in order to illuminate the body for its purpose on the earth. Now, Brother Tim Pruitt is a great preacher. My, he's got the identification of being prince among preachers. But I am so glad that Brother Tim is not the church age messenger because we would be so limited. And what we know, because you know what Brother Tim gets what he preaches? From the messenger himself. Because Brother Tim is like me. He's not made to wear that his first conscience and his subconscious is the same, which makes him where God can project to him infallible revelations that cannot be questioned. Now, does he get inspiration from God? Yep, just like me and every other minister. But you see, a prophet is different from that. That's why when God anoints the lips of a prophet and they speak, thus saith the Lord, that is totally infallible. Well, somebody say amen. 
because that's the way God made them. I'm not made that way. I can have a dream and remember part of it and comes and goes, but a prophet is made to where his subconscious and his first conscience are so close together that he can, his eyes can be wide open and he can enter into that realm and God can take their lips and their mind and speak prophetic things for thousands of years down the road. And that's the way God projects to them the infallibility of thus saith the Lord. There ain't nobody else made that way. So God is going to now build and establish and he's going to have a church. Upon this church, he will be able to reproduce it over and over again. He knows in the Ephesian church age, they will become cold and indifferent and they will lose part of that original love that they had when they first started out. Now, God is going to show John that in the types. Now, remember, many of the New Testament preachers never even got to read the book of Revelation. It was completed between 95 and 96 A.D., so some of them first century preachers that started preaching around 33 AD, some of them were totally dead, gone in the, in the sixth dimension with the Lord. They never even got to hold the New Testament in their hands. They never knew nothing about seven thunders. They never knew nothing about seven church ages. And God kept it secret until he called John unto the Isle of Patmos and there he revealed it to him. So God is going to actually backtrack a little bit in the Revelation chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and he's gonna take John backwards a little bit to where the church age started because John didn't even know, of course, that there had been a church age. None of them even mentioned it. Paul never mentioned nothing about a church age, but yet it started around, you know, a few years after Pentecost, 20 something years after Pentecost, but they were already in it, but they didn't know it. So they were experiencing the coldness of the church age, but they hadn't actually put a time slot that said it's gonna start at this certain, certain year. But they knew there was a difference in the church somehow. And then when God called John and he allows him to be caught up into the presence of God and he goes to showing him manifestations, part of them would coincide with the book of Daniel, part of them would coincide with the book of Zechariah and he would see things that would be very similar and yet he would see things that would be altogether new. Now remember, a prophet is what God chooses to be able to show them things that are not actually written in the word. Now I know there's some of the message people, what am I said this way? They claim they are message people, but they have a problem with that. And they, they really don't accept Brother Branham as the same caliber of prophet that Paul was. They kind of believe Brother Branham was a guy that, you know, he, he could be able to write a commentary. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. If that's what you believe about Malachi 4, you better get a revelation quick if you plan on going in the rapture. You ain't going to take no rapture by reading some commentary. William Branham was not a commentator. He was a vindicated prophet of God. Oh, Brother Donnie, people don't like you to say that. I don't care if they like it or not. I'm gonna say it as long as I've got breath and I'm in my right mind. I ain't ashamed of this message. I ain't ashamed of this prophet. Come on, somebody. It's gonna be this message that's gonna bring us rapturing faith to get us out of this world we're living in. So God had to bring John to this great spot and he shows John the symbols of the things that's going to happen. Now, let's pick this up here in the Sumerian church age and this is in the church age book. 
page 156. In every age, we have exactly the same pattern. This is why the light comes through some God-given messenger in a certain area. Then from that messenger, there spreads the light through the ministry of others who have been faithfully taught. Now listen to the pattern that God will call some man through an area and then the light of God will come through that man. It will come from him down to the ministry of others and then they will begin to spread the same light. But now notice what happens. But of course, all those who go out don't always learn how necessary it is to speak only what the messenger has spoken. Now what happens in time is that preachers begin to think they know so much and they know so much about God and they know so much about their Bible and they've studied Greek and Hebrew and whatever more and they feel like that Brother Branham was, you know, just a little bit backwoodsy and he was Kentuckian and, you know, Brother Branham wasn't educated and he wasn't very smart and and all of that and now they're so smart that they know more about it than he did. So they really don't think it necessary uh, to, to run their ideas through the message no more. That's why we get all these wild-haired, brained ideas that preachers stand in the pulpit and preach something that a, that a coop of chickens shouldn't listen to, much less sheep. Amen. Well, hallelujah. But now notice, they don't always learn. Isn't it amazing? They can learn this and learn that and learn something else, but they don't always learn how necessary it is to speak only what the messenger has spoken. Remember, Paul warned the people to say only what he said. In 1 Corinthians 14, 37, if any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Now remember, Paul said things in the New Testament that neither Peter, James, or John, nor Moses, nor Jeremiah, nor Zechariah, nor Haggai, nor Malachi, nor any of the rest of the prophets ever said. Now some of the people around the message today, if they'd have lived in the first century, they'd have treated Paul just like to do our prophet right now. Well, Brother Branham, I'll say amen to that if you've got a scripture for it. Don't you understand a prophet of God catches the unwritten word? Oh, I know some people don't believe it. I know some message preachers that don't because I've got emails from them. Uh-huh. Their old hide needs to be exposed to him. Now what? So he said, what? Came the word of God out from you or came it from you only? They add here or take away there. Soon the message is no longer pure. Well, I don't think we need that, do you? I, I, I don't think we need that. Well, you know, Brother Branham almost said it this way, and he didn't, but man, he should have. And, and since he didn't, I, I, we'll just go ahead and, Say it. Uh Uh-huh. Now notice what happens. They add here, take away there. Soon the message is no longer pure. And what happens? The revival dies down. And then they go to wondering, what's wrong? What's wrong with our churches? What's wrong? 
Oh, well, well maybe, maybe we need to update. Maybe we need to modernize. Maybe we need to modernize our music. Maybe we need to bring in uh, some outside speakers outside of the message. And maybe we need to get, uh, you know, uh, uh, five love languages and, and we need to get these books and add these books to our library, you know, because this PhD and this, this guy, you know, Brother Ram actually never dealt with this and dealt with that and that. And, and, and everybody needs to start tuning into Dr. Dobson and, and we need to get this theologian and this guy here and that guy there. And, and we know, you know, our churches are needing something and needing something. And we go to looking outside of our ranks. We don't need to look outside of our ranks. What we need to do is look and see what we've added and what we've left out while we have killed our own revival. And I'm gonna go ahead and say it tonight. We're not gonna have no bride's revival. By mixing 1906 version of Pentecost in with this message. Oh, I know it's stirring folks up all over everywhere whenever you say that, but it's the truth. Why would God lead us backwards? Why would God lead us with a message of Malachi 4 and take us back to the Azusa Street emphasis? I'm talking, Brother Don, don't you believe in Pentecost? I do. But there are two dispensations or, or time frames that are called by that same name. And we've got to be more careful than any generation that's ever been on the earth. Because if we're not careful, we're going to hybridize the original with the one which came last and will not even recognize what the true is. Because it becomes so muddled and so mixed together. Come on, church, preach with me tonight. Do we want the original? If we want the original, we've got to go back to the original seed word. If we want a 1906, look what it produced. What did it produce? Oh my, by the time the prophet got here, there was everything of the world imaginable that was going on in the restoration of the gift move. And we want to go back to that alone? I don't. I want everything God's got for me. I want everything, don't you? But I sure don't want to go backwards to get it. I'm pressing on the upward way. Oh my. Notice this, how careful we must be to hear one voice. For the Spirit has but one voice, which is the voice of God. Paul warned them to say what he said. Now, you see, the tape people want to take this quote right here and say, uh-huh, see right there? You read it right there tonight. So all you need to do is listen to the tapes. I do. And whenever I listen to him, I hear him saying, we need men of God out there to get behind the pulpit and preach the word. And then I do what he said on the tapes, and then I get crucified for doing what he said on the tapes that they say they believe he said on the tapes. And I say, no, you don't. Uh, you get you a good Holy Ghost filled pastor. Come on, somebody. Instead of one you can control by your remote, you can pick out which tape you want. You can stop it. You can start it. You can fast forward it. If you don't want to listen to this one, you select you another one. But a Holy Ghost filled man of God don't come with a remote that you fast forward it or rewind him or skip that, Brother Donnie. No, he's anointed of the Holy Ghost. He cuts you. He cuts himself. He cuts the deacons. He cuts the trustees. Why? Because he's led of the Holy Ghost. 
my goodness. Praise the Lord. Paul warned them to say what he said, even as Peter did likewise. He warned that even Paul could not change the word that he was given by revelation. Oh, how important it is to hear the voice of God by way of his messengers, plural, and then say what has been given to them to say to the churches. Now we'll go to Revelation chapter five, verse eight, and we'll come to a symbol. <clears throat> Notice, chapter, verse six rather, I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Having seven, what? Seven horns and seven eyes. So here were seven horns on the head of the lamb. And then in each horn was an eye. Now, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So this is seven, not that God has seven Holy Ghosts, but seven manifestations of the same spirit of God, church age dispensations. So the horn represented the body, the church, the ecclesia of God. The eye is what catches the light. Now, it was formerly believed by medical people that actually the eye itself caught or produced the light that allowed it to emit into the back of the brain. And as you know, when it hits it and it's upside down, then it changes around. But actually the light itself, the eye does not produce the light. But the eye allows the light to be emitted and enter into the body. Now watch, here in the breach, the prophet tells us seven horns was the seven churches. The seven churches because that was the lamb's protection. Now notice, so this horn, as you would know, saying on a cow or a deer or whatever more, you know, uh, the deer, you brothers, that's been out hunting and you'll, you'll watch them and them deer will get into fights and oh my, I've seen them. It's just incredible some of the things that they will do. But them bucks will not stand up there and take their paws so much. They'll rear up and around them. But for the most part, what they're using is their horns. And they find them all the time to where two bucks will get all caught up and intertwined with one another. And one of those bucks will act absolutely kill the other one. And that one will die. And their horns are locked and he can't get it off. So he will actually pull that other dead buck around. Some of you brothers have seen it, no doubt. And until that carcass is rotten or somebody sees it and helps him get undone because the horns are their protection. So God now takes this symbol, of course Daniel sees the same thing on the goat, and he uses this as a symbol to show that the body is his protection. This is Christ's support work in every age. Now this is how God identifies the bride in every age, the church, as a horn. So he uses the horn on himself to ram the devil. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing, if I'm gonna ram him, we don't need to be made out of marshmallows, do we? If we are a bunch of marshmallow Christians, Jesus ain't got much protection in this hour. If we're a bunch of compromising Laodiceans, well, we ain't gonna preach holiness and we ain't gonna say this and that and the other. Brother Donnie, we've got a new church. We got new people coming in all the time. I told you before we ever come here, if you thought I was gonna compromise because we was gonna stop having visitors, you got the wrong preacher. This may be the very thing they're looking for in the first place. Why would you want me to preach the same thing they're hearing at their church? We need to preach the word of God for the hour that we are living in. This is our dispensation. I am not going back and preaching the 1906 version. I am not, I've already preached that years ago and it did not satisfy me then and it's all on tonight. But what do I want? I want to hold up the standard of the Lord God in the last days under the eagle anointing of Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10, 1 to 7 and tell you we are the generation that is going to take the rapture. It's not another generation. I don't believe it's a hundred years away. I believe we are near that time. Remember that last beast power was a flying eagle. Not a setting one. I wonder if Hattie Wright would have got the salvation of her boys if she'd have sat there and but Brother Random told her, you said the right thing. <laughs> Just to think it wouldn't have done it. Notice, I love this. The seven church ages, because that was the lamb's protection. Don't you see his support work? His support work on the church. This is what the lamb protects himself with. What he protected his rights with on earth. My Lord. Boy, I'll tell you, I don't know about you, I feel pretty flimsy with that. I can understand cherubims in heaven. Zooms, seraphims. And he don't have angels down here? No, actually, he's got something better. You ready? He's got something better. Sons and daughters of God. Well, if you're familiar with your prophet saying it, he said, who has the most authority in heaven, an angel or a son of God? Hallelujah. He could have placed cherubims. He placed them down there at the garden gate when he brought Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. He placed them angels there and it was to protect the way back to the tree of life. But after man become converted and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and received divine nature in his soul, then he said, cherubims, take a back seat. Seraphims, take a back seat. I'm gonna turn myself. I am going to lay my head in the lap of my bride. She will not trim off my hair the way Delilah did Samson. I'm gonna put my rights in the lap of my sweetheart because I know she will protect me with everything. 
every drop of her blood. She will lay aside if she has to. Oh, mama, her daddy, she will protect me. I feel safe. I feel secure because I am in the arms of my beloved. Back off, devil. Back off because my bride will protect me in every age. And let me tell you, she has. So the anointing projects from the lamb, moves up and begins to energize the horn. And the horn goes to, you're introducing worldliness into the church. Now with my mouth, my horns, you can't see them, but I got a horn up here. That's what you are, a horn. Men of God, that's what we are. We've got to stand for what's right. The lamb anoints us. Protect my rights. Protect my holiness in my people. Protect my purity. Protect my message. Hallelujah. What he protected his rights on earth was a God sent, listen to this, group of people that's protected. Not just preachers, not just a prophet, but a group. Seven eyes are the seven messengers of the seven church ages. Seven eyes, seven seers. Now let's look at it from this angle. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single. Notice this now. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Now, don't you notice that Jesus did not say that the eye produces the light. But the eye is a channel by which the light can pass through. Light cannot penetrate so much the hand, the ears, the brain, the hair. But where is it? Here, the eyes. So the eyes allows the rays of light to be emitted into the body. Now notice how Jesus says it. The light of the whole body then is the eye. So the entrance of light, you can't eat it, you can't swallow light, you can't taste light, you can't hear light, right? You can't feel it, but you see it. You see light. So then your eyes are, you know, even with great cameras that they have, my, they're constantly making them better and better and better with all the megapixels and all this and that and the other. But they say they have never yet been able to make a camera that will even compare to the human eye. And yet the ability of all the millions of pixels and colors and all that's there. And Jesus chose this as a spiritual symbol. Well, let's bring it over now into the eyes in the seven horns. So here we got the eyes. So there was a church age messenger and there was a church. So here was a embodiment of the church and then there was an eye in that horn. 
So the eye would catch the light of God being emitted for the day and then the eye itself was an open channel to pass what was emitted through the eye down into the body. And as long as that light stayed there from the eye, the light that was in the body, oh, it made the body pure. And it made the body holy. Now I'm talking about spiritual light because that light, Paul caught that first church age revelation and the light come from God and it went back through that prophet and it come right down through the body. They had gifts, they had teaching, they had miraculous, they had all the word. Right? They just wasn't one-sided. You know, well, glory to God, all we have our church is just preaching. We don't believe in no supernatural. Well, that's not apostolic. Well, all we have at our church is prayer lines and signs and wonders and miracles. Well, that ain't apostolic either. But they had all of that together. Why? Because it was all determined by the eye. You follow me so far? So the eye in that age, now whether it is a flashlight or whether it's these brilliant lights the way we have up here, whatever it is, the eye itself will be able to adapt. And you know how it is whenever you're in the dark and you're trying to find your way around, the least little bit of light can help you move around. But you also know how difficult it is. If you walk out of this building tonight and you start out in the darkness, you can't hardly see where you are going because you are walking out of great light into darkness and that's what happens to people when they walk away from this word and they leave this brilliant light of the end time and then they get out here walking away from the light. They can't see nothing. They get to a place they don't know what's right no more. Is this right? Is this wrong? I don't know what to do. Well, it ain't no wonder. It's because they pulled out from under the influence of the eye of the age. Oh, glory. Notice, and so the light of the body is the eye. Jesus says, if therefore it is thy eye be single or focused on one thing. Now notice what a prophet messenger does. And I want you to see in this symbol that there was not five or six eyes on one horn. And there was no double vision up there either. There was only one eye per horn. Now watch this, this is why myself, I am not looking for a prophet to come after Malachi 4 and say something to the Gentiles. There ain't no Malachi 4, 5 and a half. Come on somebody, I am not looking for somebody to come and perform the sign of the Messiah that has already been done. Well, glory to God. I'm not waiting for some man around the message to come and everybody in the bride is gonna follow him. There is no such promise in the word of God. Amen. There was only one eye on there and then that eye didn't fall off and a new eye come up. You're breaking your types. Oh my. So the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. So the, the, the eye is what allows the light to come through. And as I said, it comes back and strikes the back of the cornea, turns it upside down, switches the image just like that instantaneously to where you can be able to pick up images. Then your light has the ability and God made it in such a wonderful way. You, those of you that have your eyes tested, you have to have your eyes dilated. You know what that is, of course. And whenever they dilate your eyes and then whenever you walk out in broad daylight with full sun, ain't that fun? 
I mean, your pupil is about the size of an Indian head nickel, and you're walking out. I mean, you're just about blinded. Why? Because your eyes are fully dilated, which is what they're supposed to be in the darkness. Come on now. And God made your pupil so it would get small and big, and it would adjust according to the amount of light that you are dealing with. Is that right? So we walk out from this bright building tonight. The size of our pupils are going to be one size. We walk straight out that door into the darkness are going to be another side and we're not going to be able to say anything. But if we stay out there long enough, our eyes will begin to adjust and we get used to the darkness and then we think this is what we're supposed to do. Come on, children. Let's not turn away from this light because it's possible for you to walk away from the light and you stay in a compromised situation or the darkness of the world and before long, your eyes will become so adjusted. You'll think, well, this is normal I guess this is what we're supposed to do oh my you see light is admitted listen admitted through the eye and then it illuminates so Jesus then in this next verse he says that if your eye is single then the whole body is full of light. But then he says, if a person had an evil eye, which that word there is also diseased. You see, this is what's happened to every age. That people replace the eye of the messenger that God put on the horn. And then they get a man, most always a man, with a diseased vision and then they put him in that God called position but the problem is God didn't God don't change his eyes he changes his ages now can you imagine as I said earlier replacing Paul with Peter so now let's take the eye out. We're going to take it out surgically. We're going to remove it. We're going to lay Paul, the prophet, over here. And we're going to put Peter in. Now, Peter was a great man. Loved God. But that man could not hold Paul alight in understanding, in revelation, in mysteries. You can go ahead and say amen. Well, let's look James. Let's take Paul out and we'll put James in. James hardly ever left Jerusalem. James was still very Jewish. James never did really see the purging of the Gentiles and the merging in. Show me where James ever caught the revelation of the Jews in the first century and the merging together of the Gentiles to be one body. We wouldn't even have that scripture if Paul hadn't wrote it. So you see, God chose the man that he wanted to be the eye. And then God makes that man and gifts that man with what he needs for the age. Now God knew he did not need to put Paul down there in the Luther age, but where he needed it was at the beginning. If God would have started out with Luther at the beginning, then in the restoration of the last days, we'd have to be restored to be all Lutherans. Because whatever he started out with is what he's gonna end up with. Now, if God wanted it to be the 1906 version of Pentecost, 
then God should have used that instead of the Acts 2 version, Brother Melvin. Is that right? So then we could come back and say, praise God. We're going back to Azusa Street. Glory to God. We're going back to Azusa Street. Amen. The Lord is restoring us back. But that was not what he used first. What he used first was the anointing of the lion and had Paul to speak out and begin to bring great revelations which had never been uttered since the foundation of the world. And whenever he began to preach and God opened his understanding, it was not for him just personally, but the illumination was coming and shining through that eye. Listen, friends, it's still shining today. It's still ongoing when you and I read his writings by the Spirit of God. You understand what I'm saying? We're still seeing things that this man wrote. That's how profound that it is. But notice this, Jesus, when he says this, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single. Now the word you're single is devoted to one object. Now it's not tunnel vision. And it's not confusion. So you're not looking at this and well, we got society and you know, we've got to worry about pleasing these people and we've got to do that. But your eye is single. It's on one goal. And that one goal, the most important goal, of course, is pleasing the Lord. Then work, family, job, occupation, you know, all that sort of thing. Everything else comes after that single vision. Remember, those eyes were not doubles. They were not triplets. They were not quadruplets. There was one, one. And that eye would be so single on the purpose of God. Can you imagine if God would have sent Brother Branham in the days of Martin Luther? And he would have walked up on that, that day in Wittenberg, Germany and wrote that 95 thesis. I'm not sure Brother Branham could even spell the word thesis. I'm not making fun of him now. God allowed him to be that way for this day to confound the smart and mainly the smart Alex. You've seen some of his notes back in the library, right? If you haven't, you need to look at them. They're trading them out every now and then so you can see them. The man couldn't even spell words properly. Some of our brothers from South Africa were here a few months ago and first time they'd ever seen many of those things and they were just taking pictures and they were just in awe at Brother Branham's notes and how that he wrote and many of our, our, our school kids would be able to spell better than he did. And you say, why in the world? Can you imagine how those edu- educated theologians sitting behind Brother Branham when he's preaching all those great things and if they would have saw his notes and said, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. This is Elijah. This is, look, look, this man's spelling. Why well, he don't have his nouns and his pronouns right. And he don't have this right and that right. And that's exactly what God wanted to confound this age. God could have chose a theologian had he wanted to. God could have chosen another Paul if he wanted to. A man that spoke several languages, a man that had a great intellect. But God said, nope, 
I don't think so. I don't think I'll call him from California where Newsom is gonna come from. I don't think I'm gonna call him from Washington, D.C. I don't think I'll call him from the mighty Mississippi. I think I'll call him from down the middle of Kentucky. I think I'll get him down there and nobody will know his name. His mom and his daddy will be nobodies. His grandparents will be nobodies. And I will call him. I will raise him up. I will give him a ministry that he will pray for monarchs and kings and potentates. Come on, somebody. Why? Because God chooses the eye we don't. You see, the eye is single. So it's not a denomination. So now denomination, I mean, you'd have several rows of eyes on that one horn, you know. The big eyes, of course, and the little use, there'd be eyes all over that thing. I mean, there'd be the head guy and the second guy and the third guy and the fourth guy and the fifth guy. There'd be eyes everywhere all around that thing. Now, I'll tell you one thing, brethren, we had this meeting and we've decided that Donnie Reagan and them guys that's out there preaching and holding stuff, we're kicking them out of that church. Good luck with that, pal. We ain't got no board here over us that tells us you can't preach holiness and you can't preach this and you can't preach that. Come on, children. But what did God say? I want one eye and through that one eye, I will project my light, the light will flow through him down through the entire body and the body will become anointed with the same spirit he's under, praise God and that will be the message of the hour and I will use them to ram my way through darkness I will use them and I will push and push and push through Catholicism I'll push through Presbyterianism I'll push through Church of Godism I will push on until I push my bride right into the gates of paradise. I will protect myself with my body. You see, the eyes designates also clearness of perception. Clearness of perception. Several years ago, I had a LASIK surgeon. Many of you know what that is. Had astigmatism in both of my eyes. And I tried to wear glasses first. You can imagine me with glasses. I just never could find a pair of windshield wipers because I sweated so much. I just fogged up. I couldn't see where I was coming or going. Then I went to contacts. And I look, I'd come off uh, you know, on a big drunk every time I'd preach because I'd sweat so much, sweat get behind my eyes. So somebody told me about that LASIK thing. I thought, well, I'm gonna go check it out. So I went and, and got that done. I was making two trips to China and they wanted to do one before and one after. So I laid down on that thing and they strapped me down. Some of you've had it. Carol was standing outside there in, in a room where she could see and had a monitor. And they strap your head down, they pour drops in there, and then they got this machine that goes like that. And what they just did was they cut my cornea, just like that. My head can't move now, I'm wide awake. And then they take a laser beam and they go to reshaping my cornea with a laser. Now I don't see it, but I smell something. It was my cornea being burned and reshaped by laser, which is a form of light. So if every now and then when you're in our church 
and you go to smelling a funny smell. It could be your hide being reshaped by the, <laughs> by the light of God's word. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I just found that so amazing. And I, I lay there and then they come back and they take a little thing and, you know, put this back over in your eyes, the fastest healing part of your body. I don't know if you knew that or not. But it heals where they cut that in a matter of seconds. And then they let me get up. Well, before I get up, there's a clock right on the wall. And whenever I lay down on that, that was the last thing that I saw before they start doing all this stuff to me. And I couldn't even read the clock. But as soon as they done that and they put that flat back over and they reshaped it and all that, and I looked and I'm laying flat on my back and it's locked here in front of me. And immediately I could tell what time it was. I could tell what time it was. I could tell what age I was living. I could tell by the signs of the time. I could look and see. Now I laid there before and I could not see it, but they, glory to God, glory to God. They reshaped the way the light struck my cornea and allow it to hit the same eyeball and what I could not make out before, I could make out in a few minutes after. So you see, it's the same way when we get under the anointing of the eye of the age that, oh, I don't understand that. I can't see that. I can't see that. And you're just sitting there saying, glory to God, I see it. Glory to God, I see it. And your mom and daddy saying, Lord, have mercy, they're in a cold. Watch them, don't drink none of that red Kool-Aid. I'm noticing he's been drinking them colored drinks. Watch it. Oh my, well, I'm the only one that drinks. If it's gonna kill him, it's gonna be me, not you. So what happens? The spirit of God goes to reshape it. And then what we thought was three gods, and then the light goes, And we say, glory to God, glory to God. It ain't like this at all. It's like that. Oh my, I can see the time. I can see the age. I can see the hour we're living. And others say, what, what? I don't, I don't see anything. Oh, it's just like it's been said for thousands of years. Where is the sign of his coming? Where is the sign? And you're saying, you gotta be kidding me. It's all around us everywhere. Well, they got denominational stigmatism. They got denominational blindness and they tore out the light of the age and they stuck some preacher up on the top and said, no, I'll tell you one thing. We don't need to be all excited now. After all, we're having the lighting of the Christmas tree in the church on Sunday. And we're passing out gifts. Everybody will get a carton of cigarettes. And what wine is your favorite wine that you love to drink? Don't sit there and look at me funny. Some of y'all used to drink it. Smoke and beer running out of your mouth. Now you got slobber running out of your mouth where you're eating on this good clover. <laughs> you see, this is why people look at the same thing you look at and they say, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Now they corrected my eyes this way. This one is 2020. This one. It's 2025. That's so, they did that on purpose. That's so whenever I read a book or I read small writing, 
my eyes can be able to adjust. When I sit down with my laptop in my lap, my brain switches on my eyes. And I will sit there for several hours at a time and I'll read and then when I get up, it takes me a little bit for my eyes to adjust and the dominant eye to come back in to the preeminent part. Ronald Reagan had that surgery done as well. Now then, whenever I'm there, my brain switches between it and then I can see fine. But when I sit back down again to be able to read my laptop, it takes my brain or my head the control tower to be able to adjust my vision to where I can see where I need to go. Aren't you glad you got a control tower in your soul that helps you? Sometimes you're looking out there and you just don't understand what's going on. Anybody ever get there? You don't know what in the world is going on. You don't know what you just done. You don't know what so-and-so done and you don't know what to do, but give your head, Christ Jesus, a little bit of time there and he'll adjust your vision where you can tell what's going on. By that, I don't have to have readers so I can still read tiny writing on the side of this bottle, which is really good because sometimes the mystery of God is hid in tiny letters. So if you've got to have a size 24, you know, I'll tell you one thing, you're going to completely overlook what God is doing in this hour. So God didn't send us double vision. God didn't send us a man with quadruple vision, but he sent us a man whose desire was that people would fall in love with the Lord Jesus. His one desire that he might establish a relationship between God and man. Did Brother Branham ever build a bridge after him? Did he build a church? Oh my. And all of us in we are now the Branham denomination. Was there a building, a college, a school, a graduation place where we send all of our kids to? What did he leave us? A desire that we would be like Jesus Christ. That he could, oh, what a, a great thing it would be if the prophet of God were able to visit around the world and see the churches that are still under the anointing of the eye of Malachi 4 and see them doing the same works that was done in the book of Acts. But what people want to do is reach up here, take that eye out. And put a pastor's eye in. Boop. And I'll tell you one thing, brethren. I think these prayer lines are Pentecostal. These people screaming and hollering and shouting, Lord have mercy. God ain't deaf and he ain't nervous either. Do you honestly believe my little darling daughter that stepped beyond the curtain of time has found her a chair and been sitting there for the last eight weeks. Just looking around. How y'all? It is wonderful. I'm wondering if she's even slowed down or not. Praise God. Screaming, holler, our precious brother. You imagine all the saints she's already met. Praise be to God. But whenever people, listen, it's not always a denominational system in the message, but it's the same spirit. And people are scared to death of a multitude of men. You don't take a multitude of men to warp your vision. All it takes is one. 
And that one does an eye surgery. And it goes in there and it cuts out. Now, Brother Bram said this, but I, I, you know, I, I mean, that, that was in the 50s and the 60s, you know. I mean, we, we really can't apply that in this day. How are you going to apply what Isaiah said 2,200 years before the 50s and the 60s? So they take that eye out. Now, they lay it over here in their research. They still keep it in their study, but they just don't preach it no more. You say, Brother Don, why do you keep saying that? Because you'd be surprised at how much it's going on in our ranks. Then they put what? A pastor's eye. Can you imagine replacing Brother Branham with Donnie Reagan? That's frightening. Hey, I'll have illumination, but it's about like a match compared to the sun. A pastor compared to a prophet? I got the ability to see what he saw. Oh, Brother Donnie, don't that bother you? Not in the least. I found my place. I'm gonna brighten my corner where I am. I ain't called to be no major prophet. I ain't called to do what that prophet done. I'm called to do what I'm called to do and that say what he said and do what the Lord Jesus called us to do. And what is that? Protect his rights. Oh my. Can you imagine a man crossing a stream on a log? The only way that man will ever be able to get across it, or a woman, is to focus on something on the other side. If they start looking at that log and their steps and what's around them, it's amazing what the mind will do. You ever notice things that we have committed to our subconscious? Your heart rate submitted to your subconscious. Your blood pressure to your subconscious. Your dream cycles that you go through, your subconscious. The steps in your home, going up and down your garage, to your back porch, whatever. You ever notice how that is? You can just do, 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 just go right down them unless you start looking at them. Have you done that, Brother Rob? I see you smiling at your wife there. <laughs> so then whenever you start looking at it, isn't it amazing that you will almost stumble if you don't? And you say, what happened? Because you pulled it from the subconscious and you started concerning yourself about it in the first conscience. You see, if we could do that with our faith, oh Lord, we struggle so much and we try to make our flesh believe, you might as well give up on it. It ain't never gonna believe right. It'll believe sometimes and sometimes it won't. The prophet said the Lord Jesus was totally unconscious of his faith. And he talked about living in that realm. He said, now I'm talking about bride people that live a walk with God. Oh, I'm gonna try to live right today. I'm gonna try to do right. Don't do that, friends. Commit it to your soul. Let your soul be ignited together with the men in the engine room and you will do more for God than you ever dreamed possible in your entire life. Then try to sit around and figure it out. Oh, we've got to bring revival. Tell me how to do it. 
Oh, Brother Donnie, the bride needs revival. We've got to have revival. We've all got to do this and another. Show me where a revival was ever produced by such stuff. The prophet of God told us how revival comes. It's when the Spirit of God sends revival. We've had all kinds of moves. And you know what was behind every one of them? An eye that replaced the prophet. Look at the seventh under move. What happened? was no longer the absolute authority of a prophet, but it was a so-called apostle who was sent to bring clarity to the message. Uh Uh-huh. Then put clarity up there. I don't want clarity, what they call clarity. I want charity. Look at every move that's been around this message. What happened? They cut that prophet out and then stick some preacher in there. And it can be individual churches, just one church, one preacher, and he's got this thing about him that he feels like he knows so much about God. We were so ignorant, we didn't even know how to come to God. Well, I don't care if you say amen or not, I'm gonna tell you the truth. But most of us were so ignorant we didn't know how to be baptized. We didn't know if there's an eternal hell. Or if, uh, we didn't know if there's one in the Godhead, two in the Godhead. Come on, children. We didn't hardly know nothing about God, right? Brother Charlie Cox used to say, before I met the prophet of God, I didn't even know how to cross a fence right. And by that, what he meant was when they'd go hunting and they'd go hunting on other people's property, they'd go right in the middle of the fence and just push the fence right down and ride it down. But they hunted with the prophet a little bit and he told them, he said, boys, don't do that again. These people have been good to you to let you hunt on their farms. You ought to treat their fence right. Go up out to that post and step across that fence or pull them two wires apart and go through the don't, don't tear up their property. We didn't even know they didn't understand a lot of that stuff. We didn't think it mattered, did it? But you see, an eye saw all. The eye said, now you sisters, don't cut that hair. You brothers, you cut yours. Now you sisters, act like women. Don't put on coverall. Hey, I'll tell, what I'll tell my husband what to do. And they, yes, dear. Yes, dear. But what happens? Eye surgery. Eye surgery. And they say, well, you know, we're just, we're just not sure we need it no more. Well, we know Brother Ram taught that really, you know, prophecy was always, um, always something direct to somebody. And uh, actually, uh, it, that God wouldn't repeat scriptures and prophecy. But, but that ain't the way we believe in our church. At our church, we believe that the Spirit of God can move and the speaking in tongues and everything. And somebody just said, yeah, it's the Lord. I'm the Lord. I'm here and I'm, I'm fixing to do this. And I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. So what did they do? Cut the eye's interpretation out because the eye said, if the preacher stands up there and says, Jesus is coming soon, he's coming soon, he's coming soon, he's called to say that. But that ain't prophecy. Mm. Y'all ain't had eye surgery now, have you? Why is it, friends? Why is it? You know what it is? Men so hungry for a move of God. And if we're not careful, we'll let this go and that go and that go. And th- oh, but we're so blessed. Oh, my, 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 we're so blessed. Sure. 
Look in the church age book and you'll find that the prophet tells us people leave the word. They just leave the word and they go right on and say, hey, we get results, don't we? We get results. Boy, God blesses us. I'll tell you one thing. God's doing this, that, and other. Sure he is. And he'll try you by that too. To see, will you stay with the word? Even when you overstep it. Why, there wasn't hardly a preacher in the land that could say it any more than Brother Balaam. Boy, Brother Balaam, we got to say, glory to God, I feel it all over. Hallelujah. Oh, I've seen it. I'm true. Man, alive, I'm telling you what. And stepped right over God's original word. Did God stop blessing? Why, no. He prophesied some of the greatest prophecies that's ever been written. Read Numbers 24. He prophesied about the coming of the Lord Jesus and the man was totally out of the will of God. Why? He's a prophet with a double vision. Got one eye on God, another eye on Balak. He's thinking about SSI, Medicare, Medicaid, Part A, Part B, Part C, Part D, Part G, Part X, Part Y, Part Z. Wow, man, if I can just do this now, why God would God, please, God, please, 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 please. God said, go ahead. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Do you realize what you've just done? When God will give you his word and his pattern, and then God tells you, go ahead. I'll bless you. And you say, oh, 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 do you understand what you just did? You just literally killed yourself. And God will bless you and bless you and bless you more, which convinces you more and more and more you're right, right, right. Even though your foundation was wrong, wrong, wrong. Is that what we want for our church, friends? Some of the folks in our message have been that way for years. More are heading in that direction now. Oh, we're good. Why well, we know Brother Ben said that? Ah, that's, just, that's, just, that's just Baptist. And you can't really pay no attention to poor Brother Donnie. I'll tell you why now. Brother Donnie, Brother Donnie was in the Pentecostal move. And what, what it's really done, it's, it's really scarred Brother Donnie. And that's made him where he's just, he's just really scarred so bad that, that he don't want to move a God. You're a liar. There ain't a man on the earth that wants a move of God any more than Brother Donnie. But Brother Donnie wants a move of God. A move of God which will be based on God's word. How can I protect the Lamb of God in this day with the anointing of another day? I've got to have the anointing of this hour to protect the Lamb of God. Oh my, can you imagine what it is when the light of God is coming down through the eye, passing into the body, and the whole body is moving with the light of God. Notice now verse 23. I'll let you rest yourself while we close with this. But if thine eye be evil or diseased, so it's got something wrong with it that it cannot see, Thy whole body shall be full of darkness. 
So look at every man-made move down through time. Look at Wesley's day. What a great day it was. But then watch them after Wesley left, how they begin to change. Look at the Methodist church today. So when they formed the organization, did God's spirit leave them and their churches crashed and they never had nobody else? They grew bigger after they formed the organization than they were before they ever had it. And they were convinced, boy, God is blessing us. I'm telling you why. I mean, we're busting out the seams. Well, I just don't know what we're going to do. We're getting so big. And oh, man, alive. This definitely was the right move. Well, let's look back in retrospect. Was it? So now they're so divided. They got gay pastors, women preachers. One of the filthiest churches in the denominational move. Why? They no longer held on to the influence of the eye. What if the Lord tarries another 10, 15, 20 years? What will be said about our move? What will be said about our church, our lives, our families? Well, I know what's going to be said about me if I'm alive then. I'm still faithful. I'm still preaching the same thing. Of course, by then I'll be so old. Y'all just have pity on me. Let me preach every now and because you feel sorry for me, I guess. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't moving from behind this eye. I feel real safe there. That's why I study it. I listen to it. I preach it. I love it. Maybe some of you are getting tired of the message. I don't know. Maybe you're getting tired of hearing a preach. Apparently some folks are because they quit coming. Apparently some folks around the message are getting tired of it because they're going over to these charismatic churches and going over here and going over there and they're out there shopping a little bit, looking for something else. Well, I've done, I've done found what I was shopping for many, many years ago. I ain't looking for another eye, eyeball, eyelid, eyelash, or makeup to put on this eye. I'm perfectly satisfied with the eye that God chose himself. I don't figure I need to help God out and put another eye in the Malachi force place. How many understand what I'm saying? And I do not feel like it. Let me make sure you understand tonight. I, nor no other pastor, is qualified to add to what God's prophet said. As a matter of fact, we'll get to it. The prophet said three times in the Bible, it was an unpardonable sin to add one word of your own interpretation to a message after being vindicated to be the truth. I don't think preachers realize what they're doing. They're watering, changing, misplacing, dislocating. Do you understand what you're doing? Do people understand what they're doing? Three times in the Bible, an unpardonable sin. Not to leave out a book, not to leave out a year, but to add one word of your own interpretation to a message after it's been vindicated to be the truth. God help us. God help us. Children, if we will stay under the influence of our eye. All the light we need, even for the rapture, has been emitted.
down into this word. If this goes on 200 years, message preachers will still be preaching things out of this message that we probably never even preached before. And it's been laying here the whole time right in the message. Everything we have need of is right here. We don't need to go outside of our ranks and get another eye and change this. And what about this guy? What about that guy? Look at those who went that way. Is that what you want for your end? That ain't what I want for mine. I want to stay right in the rays of that light. And they told him, he will come to you first. And you will be judged for what you preached. And if you are accepted, and you will be, then we will go in on your teaching. So the illumination that came through him and his Kentucky ways and his grammar and his nouns and his pronouns. (laughs) But what will be surprising is one day our bodies will be changed. I guess it wasn't the noun and the pronoun that God was concerned about then, was it? I mean, that's a big thing in this day, you know. Men don't want to be called by him anymore, and then women don't want to be called by she anymore. What are you supposed to call them? Shem, Jim, Sham, Jam? I'm, I'm not sure exactly what we're even supposed to say anymore. But I'm so glad that we can be able to hear what God is saying. Don't you understand what they're doing? It's all about their rights, their rights, their rights. And that's the way we are for now. Careful. Me, mine, mine. That's not what you're here for. You're here to protect is right. Let's bow our heads. Oh, Jesus. Lord God, I pray you would help us, Father. What a scary thing it is to be a preacher. It's a fearful thing to be a God-called one. And there's thousands of them that aren't even called. It's evident we can see by some of the messes that even message preachers have made, a lot of them ain't called either. The prophet tells us in question and answer 61 that he, what he liked to look at was the person and see what they claimed they were called to do because God will work with his creature the way that he's made him. So he said if a man claims to be a pastor, He can't be a flighty person. God would never call a man like that to be a pastor. And he said, if a man claims to be a teacher, watch how he interprets the word. That'll tell you whether he's really called of God or not. It's evident, Lord, just by that simple quote. A lot of so-called teachers were not God-called by the way they interpreted the word. It's pretty visible. When they get done, they bring more confusion. They have more questions than they do answers. Oh, Lord, help us. May we stay in the rays of the light, Father. Glory to God. Jesus, please help me. Help me that I'll never leave this word. Father, if I would ever start to the left or the right, If you have to, take me out of this world. If I get stubborn and hard-headed and I won't be corrected, take me out of this life, Lord. 
Don't let me bring reproach. God, knowing that one day preachers are going to give an account, and if there ain't but one soul they lead astray, that one soul will condemn them. The prophet talked about when he was here that how many preachers said in their study and read Acts 2.38 before they come out to preach, but they wouldn't dare read it. How many of these coward message preachers have the message books and the tapes and they sit and study them and rob and use a prophet's words and won't even tell where it come from. Yeah. They'll answer at the day of judgment for it. Lord God, help me. Help these people, Father. May we get away from our ideas and our opinions and my rights and they hurt my feelings and I think and I want this and I want that. Help us to realize, Lord, we are here to protect your rights. And I've learned this. If I will protect yours, you will stand in defense of mine. I've seen you do it many times. Lord, as you spoke to me some months ago about a certain thing that was going on, you told me, hold your peace. I'll fight for you. Who better to do our fighting than you, Lord Jesus? But the problem of it is we take so many of our battles on our own and we try to handle it our way. Forgive us, Lord. Oh, Jesus, may your presence sweep down in this building tonight, Father. May every person under the sound of my voice leave here tonight with a different view to realize their main purpose in life is not to make money. Their main purpose in life is not to be the smarter person and the wiser person, to get this degree and that degree and another degree. Their main purpose in life is to defend your rights. It's no wonder you hate compromise because compromise always leads to you losing your rights. You have a right to have sons and daughters of God that are filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God. It's your right to have a church that's a holiness church. It's your right to have a church that believes in the supernatural. Then, Lord God, we're here to protect your rights. As long as I'm in my right mind and I've got strength, Father, I'm going to stand in this pulpit. I'm not going to defend myself so much. I'm not going to defend these people so much. And I will do that to a degree. But my main calling is not to defend us. My main calling is to defend you and your rights. For this purpose was I called. For this purpose will I answer to. For this purpose I will die for if necessary. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of Polycarp that day. When they come to him and said, you're an old man. A man of honor and integrity. Why don't you deny him? Why don't you deny him? You're you're a man that's well thought of. He said, all these years I've served him. And he's nothing, done me nothing but good. I won't repent.
and I won't recant. Tell me why I should. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for a man like that. That was their anointing. But now, Lord, we're on the earth under another anointing. I believe you've got men, women, boys, girls that ain't even preachers that'll give their life for your cause. They are part of that cause. It's your right to live in their soul. And they are willing to fight against their nature, their makeup, their own inheritance as a human being to give you that right. May we realize part of this fight is not just us against other people. It's us against ourselves. That you have a right to live in me, to speak out of my mouth. Lord God, I will fight Donnie Reagan till my last breath is taken out of this body to see that you have that right. Praise God. How many with me in this building tonight will raise your hand? You'll not just fight for him to have his rights in the church, but you'll fight for him to have his rights in you. It's his right for you to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to have his nature. Praise God. It's his right for deity to be in you for you to be so endued with power from on high that the mind of Christ can be projected in you and you can believe what your natural body cannot even grasp. That's his right. But you'll have to fight yourself to grant him his rights. Praise God. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. We praise you tonight, Lord Jesus. It's your right to live in me, Father. Live in me. It's your right to speak out of my mouth. Speak to me, Lord. It's your right to love through me, live through me, speak to me. I know I'll have to fight myself because I'm my greatest enemy. Lord God, I'm willing I'm willing to fight me. Oh, it's easy for us to fight our brother, fight this man, fight that woman. But can we fight ourselves and subdue ourselves to the very law of God? Yes, Lord, we will. Yes, Lord, we will. Paul told us himself that he had to die daily. Why? He was fighting for your rights. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May we as a body defend your truth. I ain't talking about going out and arguing with people and great, you know, trying to raise a big argument and a fuss and a debate, but to let our light so shine before men. Oh, if they could only see tonight, Father, once they receive the true light through the messenger that you put in every age, then we actually become part of that light. We become the light, the carriers of the message. And then people can look and see the very thing that many times the women are ashamed of, their hair, their dress, their looks, will be the very thing that'll catch people's attention and say, why do you dress that way? Why are you different? What makes you different? What if they look like everybody else and talk like everybody else? There wouldn't be no difference. But it's that difference that you designated and the light of the gospel lets that spread out through them and get other people's attention. 
Thank you for it, Father. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Can we just raise our hands? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What about it, musicians, brothers? You too. Let's just raise our hands in the presence of the King. He wants to use you, brothers, like never before. I believe he wants to use you singers that are committed to God like never before. You preacher brothers, I believe God wants to use us, men of God around the world, like never before. But we've got to keep in line with the eye and Satan will do everything in his power to pull you away from the influence of that because those light rays emitted through that eye will change you and change you and change you until eventually it will change your body. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, shine on us tonight, Lord God. Shine on us, Father, I pray. We don't want the lights of Hollywood. We don't like, want the lights of glimmer and show. We don't want Hollywood showmanship in our pulpit. Lord God, we don't want our choirs, Father, to be all practice and no anointing. I thank you, Lord, when they get up to sing, the Spirit of God is welcome among them. I thank you, Lord, and that's what I look for in singers and choirs and all of that. Fathers, not just practice. I admire them when they practice. I want them to do, do as good as they possibly can, but not so good they don't need the anointing. Right. Lord God, may Brother Louie, may these song leaders always pray before they get up before the people. May every person that sings a special or a choir or the musicians, whatever we are, we need you, Lord Jesus, in every service. May it never be where we operate by mechanics only. I realize the Lord as a preacher told Brother Darrell several years ago, Brother Darrell remembered, he's the one that shared it with me. And this preacher had been preaching for years and he told Brother Darrell he didn't even need the anointing. What a pitiful mess. Lord God, I've been preaching for the majority of my life. I need the anointing more than I've ever had it before in my life, Lord. I need the anointing to heal the sick. I need the anointing to sing. I need the anointing, Lord God, to lead me. I need the anointing to study. Lord, these youths are turning in questions and I need the anointing to know how to answer them, Lord. I need the anointing to live right. I need the anointing to help me, Lord God, every day of my life. Oh, Jesus, may we never get to a spot to where we think we don't need it. I need it, Jesus. I need it. I need you every hour, Lord God. We worship you tonight, Father. Oh, Lord God, would you just come and let fresh rays so illuminate us, Lord. Oh, Lamb of God, may the light of God shine down to the message of the hour. Father, if they pick up the same book maybe they read last week, they pick it up tomorrow and they begin to read it and say, oh, praise God, I can't believe I, I missed this and missed that. Lord God, make the tapes more real, not something outside of it, Lord, not a new revelation that's contrary, no, sir but the very same thing, but just make it real to us, Lord. Oh God, may the word of God, the message of the hour become more real to your men servants around the world. Quotes they've looked at for years, maybe quotes they can quote, and they know it word for word, but may the spirit of God just enlighten us with it, Father. We don't need another prophet. We don't need another eighth day messenger. All we need is revival stirred up from the light that's been emitted in the last days. Oh, granted, Jesus, I pray, Father. We worship you tonight, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Oh, Lord, send a stirring among us, oh, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord. Surely you ain't done. Surely you ain't done worshiping. My goodness, you didn't last two minutes. Come on, let's worship him a little bit. Let's press beyond. Oh, I'm tired, Brother Don. Sure, I am too. I am too. My back's been killing me all day. I wasn't sure I was even going to be able to get up here and preach. But the anointing come and he's helped me tonight. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm still hurting, but I'm going to praise him anyhow. I've still got aches and pains, but I'm going to praise him anyhow. Who knows, I may raise my hand more and more time and that thing go out of my back and leave me right now. Might be the same for you all, but I'm tired. But his presence might come and give you strength tonight. His presence might come and bring healing. Hallelujah, he wants us to press beyond our tired feelings sometimes and press beyond the weary. And well, I've got to get up early in the morning. You may not even live till the morning. This might be the last service you'll ever have. Oh my, let it be a great one. Let it be written down in the annals of heaven. He praised me with all of his heart. His foot was hurting, his leg was hurting, his head was hurting, but he raised his hands and said, blessed be the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, come on, children, young, old, every one of us, we ought to give him praise and honor and worship. He's been so good to us. Praise the Lord. Hey, let's sing that song that, that you sang to bring me out on. Oh, the goodness of God. Let's just sing it now and worship him a little bit, can we? Before we close the service, my, he's been so good to every one of us. Hallelujah. Let's just worship him together now. Let's just take a little bit of time before we go. If you need to go, you got something you need to do, you go ahead. But let's just stick around if we can for just a few minutes. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Think about what you're singing now. I love you, Lord. For the mercy never fails me in all my days. I've been held in your hands. In your hands, Lord. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Thank you, Lord. I will sing sing of the goodness of my God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. All my life, All my life you've been faithful. Sing it to him now with all your heart. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I of the goodness of God. Second verse. I love your voice. I love your voice, Lord, as you speak to us by your word. Through the fire. Yes, Lord. In darkest the darkest night. night. You are You're close, close like no other. Amen. I've known you as a father, as my father. I've known you as my, my closest friend. And I have lived. Thank you, Lord. In the goodness, in the goodness of God. God. Everybody now. Oh, and all my life you have been faithful. Thank you, Jesus. And all my life you 
chose to die the son of God they could not deny like a great angelic choir sings I can almost hear their voices ring I pledge Now the years have come and the years have gone, but the cause of Jesus today still goes on. And now our time has come for us to count the cost to make this world an embrace the cross one by one let us live our lives for the one who died to give us life till the trumpet sounds on that final day let us proudly stand and I will seek to honor His command. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Oh, I pledge my allegiance to the Lamb with all
Now the years have come And the years have gone But the cause of Jesus Today goes on Now our time has come For us to count the cost To reject this world And embrace the cross One by one Let us live our lives For the one who died To give us life trumpet sound on that final day let us proudly stand and boldly say I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my strength with all tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Reminded of Elisha. When Elijah said, what do you want? But what do you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, Dallas asking a hard thing, but nonetheless, if you see me when I go, you shall have what you asked for. And what did it cause Elisha to do? A singleness of eye to keep his eye on the promise. Oh, friends, just stay focused. Just stay focused on what God's given us. It'll change the very atoms of our bodies. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the word of God that we've heard tonight. For God, it just wasn't the words of a man or some words that was quickly put together. But we believe, Lord, it was precious words of life sent from thy throne, O God, to prepare us, Lord, to encourage us, to cause us, Lord, to refocus, to see, Lord, through the eye. We thank you for that tonight, Lord God. 
Lord, I pray for Brother Donnie. Lord, you see the need in his back, Lord. I ask you, dear God, may it leave him for thy glory, we pray. Lord Jesus, may you renew his strength, Lord. Help him, dear God, tomorrow and the days ahead, Lord, we pray. Go with your children tonight, Lord. May they receive that, dear God, which they desire in their heart, Lord. Those that are afflicted may be discouraged, Lord. May you lift their spirits, we pray, God. Lord, you see those on our prayer list tonight. I ask you, dear God, that you'd move for each one of them, Lord. Thank you, God, for being our healer, for being the sustainer of our lives, for being the light, dear God, that illuminates our souls. And Father, may we be, Lord, as we sung just from a little boy, we've sung that song. May our light shine, Lord. May we let our light shine, dear God. Into this darkness of Laodicea that others may see that thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever. Go with your people to this evening, Lord. Give them traveling grace. Bless them at work tomorrow. Keep them safe, we pray, Lord. We commit these things into your hands, Father. And Lord, we realize, God, the greatest thing that we can do is just simply give ourselves away to you that you could use us. Grant it, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just sing this as we go. Give myself away. Amen. Give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Yes, Lord. I give myself away so you can use me. Here I am, here I stand, Lord, my Give myself away. 
Yeah. 